In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and beginning with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we talk about issues in the light of faith. We, we put uh, things that are on people's minds in the current day on the table here in the light of faith and discuss different viewpoints. I'm Stacy Tresankos, the director of the St. Philip Institute, and here, of course, with His Excellency Bishop Strickland, the founder of St. Philip Institute. Um, and we're joined by a guest today uh, that, that Bishop Strickland was very interested in talking to and learning more about um, her books, Mrs. Christine Watkins. Welcome today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I want to tell our audience a little bit more about you. Um, you're a Catholic speaker and author. You are formerly an anti-Christian atheist, in your own words, living that was living, like all of us, a life of sin. You began then a life of service to the Catholic Church after a miraculous healing from Jesus through Mary, which saved you from death. And we'll hear more about that in a little bit. Before your conversion, you danced professionally with the San Francisco Ballet Company, Christine has 20 years of experience as a Catholic speaker, retreat and parish mission leader, spiritual director and counselor, with 10 years as a hospice grief counselor and 10 as a post-abortion healing director. She received her master's degree in social welfare from the University of California at Berkeley and her master's in theological studies from the Jesuit School of Theology at Berkeley. You are the author of a lot of books. <laughs> Christine's written a lot of books, notably the one that Bishop read and, and was very touched by, Of Men and Mary, How Six Men Won the Greatest Battle of Their Lives. And a couple of other books, um, Full of Grace, Miraculous Stories of Healing and Conversion Through Mary's Intercession, Mary's Mantle Consecration, and your newest book, The Warning, Testimonies and Prophecies, very fascinating, of the illumination of conscience. So you have a very broad set of knowledge and background and experience, and we're so excited to talk to you today, Christine. Thank you for being here. Sure. I think, I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just getting started. Okay, well, um, I want to start with the book of, of Men and Mary. What gave you, I'm always very interested in, in what leads an author to come up with that topic, because I, I know it's a conversation with God. It's, it's direction from the Holy Spirit, and I imagine that you feel that, that certain um, consolation, that spiritual um, discernment that you know that you you can you can't not write the book, and uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you came to write this book and and 
interviewed these stories and put them all together into one book? Well, I came across these men in different ways in different times. Usually it was because I saw them speak and then I realized that their story wasn't written down anywhere. And, and I thought, well, this isn't just for here and now. This, this has to be for the world. This is such a beautiful testimony to, of God's power and Mary's intercession. So I would simply ask the man if he would share. And lo and behold, they all said yes. <laughs> and they did such a wonderful job of sharing it. And one of the men... Um, Chris Watkins, my name's Christine Watkins. So we met online 11 <laughs> years ago because we had the same name. And and uh -huh. he he and I have never met in person, but we've been pals uh, through email over the years. So each one has a story behind it as to how I met them. And, you know, a couple of them have become friends, like Father Rick Wendell. He said his story and, you know, every other sentence is a jaw dropper. <laughs> and so, and he actually died for two and a half hours, for instance. He was a womanizer and a, into materialism and and didn't care about anything, anyone but himself. And everything changed for him in a miraculous way. And, and that's pretty much the case for all of the men in the book, some of whom became priests. Some of, One had just a marriage. I, I think it's fair to say it wasn't just on the rocks, it was below the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and Mary brought it all together in a in a beautiful way. And she did that for every single man, even a murderer in prison. So it just shows what can happen to a man, even the hardest men, even the biggest bullies who seem to uh, be so uncaring and so hard to reach, Mary can reach them. And Mary can pierce that hard heart and melt it and transform someone through the power of the Holy Spirit by her intercession. Thanks, Christine. One, one of the reasons that I thought the book had such an impact for me is, as a bishop, I'm very aware that um, faith for men uh, is, is in crisis, as I believe faith is in crisis for men and women, for all of humanity. There are too many people who don't believe in the supernatural. And uh, that even comes down to men and women in the, the Catholic Church at times. And I think we, what I heard and read in your book was a message that resonates with me of the importance of, of men acknowledging that Mary is our mother as men, certainly as a priest, she is the mother of all the, the priests of Jesus Christ. But Mary is about strength and manliness, and I think that's important. We're going to do a, um, a rosary congress, it's called, in the, the, from the first Friday of October to the second Friday. And I've asked Doug Berry, who is here in the diocese, a very strong man, and really calling men to step up and to work with their families, and to call the, the whole family to faith. And I really have asked Doug to work with us to, to really help men to see that praying the rosary and devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary is a very manly thing to do. Uh, it's a, a strength that Mary calls forth from us, just like um, you know St. Joseph is one of my heroes, 
And he and Mary together, the parents, the earthly parents of Christ, Mary, of course, the the mother uh, biologically and in every other way, the, mar- the mother of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Joseph as the earthly father. But I think that it's important for men to be faith leaders. You've probably read, as, as Dr. Stacy and I have, that the statistics that say if a man leads the family in faith, it makes a huge difference. Like 90% of children that saw their father as a strong man of faith remain men of faith and women of faith. But the women do a great job, but it has to be that partnership. And men too often aren't stepping up. More and more men are, but we've really got to encourage that. And I guess that's the reason I asked Dr. Stacy to reach out to you about this beautiful book of Men and Mary, because I think it's a message that so many men of faith or men who have no faith need to read because a lot of those stories in your book are men who were far from being men of faith, much less men of Mary, and through the grace of God and through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, they were transformed. I think that's the word. Their lives were literally transformed. I think, um, so the subtitle, I don't know if you can see it here. So it's a men and Mary, how six men won the greatest battle of their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think with COVID, there is, I mean, talk about a crisis. Talk about men feeling like they're not in control, like they don't know the future. They may want to be a protector. They may want things to go well and, and nothing's, nothing's in our control. So there's a sense of widespread helplessness. And I think that without the anchor of having mom around, it can be too scary. And men can turn to alcohol. They can turn to numbing. They can turn to watching, just being in technology to escape, whatever form of escape it is, whether it's pornography, which is rampant, or just get outbursts of anger. And what I see, I don't know if, if you both see the same thing, but when I see a man who knows his mom loves him beyond all telling, when I see a man who can get very vulnerable, at least in his own prayer Mm -hmm. and call out and say, mommy, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. That's a strong man. The man who can't get vulnerable in his prayer, can't cry, can't be held in his mother's arms is not going to be very stable. They may appear like they're strong, but they'll be a bully or they'll be a coward or there'll be some extreme of extreme personality traits that aren't tempered by always having a mom right there with you to say, son, it's going to be okay," or son, I'd like you to speak or son, come here, rest in my arms. I mean, when that. When that dialogue is going on between uh, a man and his mom, and when a man can actually say mommy, then the, the strength comes, and, and it's, a, it's a different kind of strength. It's the strength of Christ, not the strength that says, I'm going to get down from this cross and punch you in the nose. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, do, yeah. do you know what you just did to me and my mom and my apostles? How dare you? It's yeah. not not that kind of strength. It's the strength that say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And to be so dignified and peaceful yeah. in all circumstances. I mean, when 
when one sees a man with that kind of strength, then they want to not only follow that man, but also hug that man and be near that man and not be scared of that man, but protected by that man. So I just think Mary provides all that. And it's interesting, uh, the number one thing that soldiers cry out for when they're dying on battlefields is for their mother. Oh, you yeah. made me cry. <laughs> I have to go now. I have to go hug my nine-year-old son and call my 25-year-old son who's in the Navy. <laughs> Love you, Max. <laughs> uh, that's very sweet. I mean, that that is... Um, I never thought about that. It's kind of like you, you hear about teenage girls needing their fathers and they never understand who God is or that God loves them if they don't have a loving father. But I never thought about the same thing with men. If they don't, if they don't, if their mother doesn't hold them and love them that way, they don't understand how Mary, our mother, our blessed mother can love them. No. Yeah. And and I think it's, um, it all goes back to which is is so much in in question and in jeopardy in modern society, certainly in this nation, but really around the world, where the roles of men and women are blurred, and people are advocating that well, you can be a man one day and a woman the next, and mm-hmm. something in between on the third day, and then back to you know, and it's just it's not of God, it's not the truth, and it harms people. And, and Christine, as you were talking about the that that complementarity, men and women help each other to be more godly men, more godly women. That's how God has designed humanity. In a sense, our all of us as a man, my humanity needs the complementarity of relationships with women. Certainly, the spiritual relationship with the woman the mother of God, Mary, the Immaculate Virgin Mary. But that relationship with her is enhanced and strengthened by my relationships with women. I mean, that's one thing I think for men who are in formation for the priesthood, um, really we, we need to emphasize, certainly, you're, you're going to be a celibate man. You're not going to enter into marriage. You're not going to have that kind of beautiful intimacy with a woman. But you need to have women in your life. And I think that, that looking back, and, and certainly um, a lot of things, and there were some very healthy priests through the ages, but I think sometimes the mistake was made to, especially in modern society, as things have gotten hypersexualized. I think there's a tendency to say, oh, well, a priest has to be guarded from women and, and really can't associate with women. And certainly there, there is a, a vulnerability there and sometimes even a danger. But I think we have to recognize that healthy men have healthy, respectful relationships with women of, of various capacities in their lives. And certainly... The Blessed Virgin Mary is that perfect woman. Um, she is sinless, and that creates a, a dynamic that allows us to be mothered by her as men and women, as children, as teenagers, in ways that no human woman except Mary, she's human, but she's protected from sin for the very purpose of God's love for all of us, 
And that's what, from your book, these men discovered. The miraculous things that happened really seemed to all coalesce in their coming to recognize who the Blessed Virgin Mary is and her role in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just realized as you were talking that especially, well, there's one priest who, who just loved her from the beginning. Uh, that's Father Paul. And his story is just incredible. But um, Father Michael Leitner and Father Rick Wendell, they actually ended up being friends because of Mary, because of meeting at her pilgrimage site of Medjugorje. But both of them, in thinking of their stories, it was their mom that mm. gave them the link to love and to their faith. And yeah. they fought their mothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were not nice to their mothers. But these mothers each had a, a tenacity, the same kind of tenacity that Mary has, where Mary's not going away. She's not going to stop loving you, and she's not going to stop telling you the truth. And these moms were very much like that. And, um, yeah, I could tell one of those stories if you wish. Just oh, let yes. me know. Yes, I want to hear the sure. story. <laughs> you want to hear a story? Yes, yes. Okay. The first one I guess I'll do is um, called Tackled by the Blessed Mother. It's Father Michael Leitner. And, oh, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> there's major entertainment in these stories as well. So he mm, grew up in a very Catholic family. Priests would come over to dinner. And like I said, his mom was, was very Catholic. And she kept going over to this Mejahuchi place that no one can pronounce. <laughs> And, and they thought that she's really lost it. You know, she was the, the cuckoo mom that they all made fun of. And she'd come back and she'd say, pray the rosary. And we have to do, we have to fast. We have to this. And and Michael Leitner as a teen was, was just disturbed by the whole thing. And he would play passive aggressive in the evening when the family would pray the rosary together. He'd, he'd doze off. And he didn't realize at the time that the peace he felt during that time was from the prayers of the rosary. But for him, it was just boring and repetitive. And so he is a huge guy. And he's huge. He's tall. He's huge. You know, as an eighth grader, he was, well, uh, bigger than you, um, Bishop. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and so he, all he ever wanted to do was play pro football. That was his dream. That was his goal. That's what he lived for. And he goes off to college and he discovers, hey, I don't have to abide by these religious rules, these silly things anymore. I'm free. So he got into alcohol, took drugs, women, and he comes back for Thanksgiving and he's taking a nap. And he wakes up to his mother holding a cellophane bag full of marijuana with tears <laughs> streaming down her face. And his sister sitting on the edge of the bed, who's actually a drug abuse counselor at an hospital, and says, busted. <laughs> and then she says, now you have to go to Medjugorje. Now you have to go to Medjugorje. <laughs> <laughs> and so the mother says, that's a good idea. And Michael thought, oh, no. So he fought it and she convinced him. She said, you know, you have to go, son. So he finds himself on this interminable plane ride that never ends. And he's 
He's a big guy crunched in plane seat after plane seat, miserable. And he gets there and his mother says, son, just if not for God, then for me, I only ask one thing of you when you're here. And that's that you go to confession. And he agreed to do it. Hmm. So St. James is the church in Medjugorje. So he goes in there and the confessional is very small and he's a huge guy. (laughs) And he kneels down and he thinks, I'm going to make this priest's ears bleed. So he just spews out these egregious sins and the priest isn't phased and that kind of shocks him. (laughs) And then the priest says the prayers of absolution. And at that moment, he felt this spiritual spear come into his heart and pull out painfully his sins. And he was knocked back in the confessional at a 45 degree angle so that his head hit the back of it and he was pinned there immobile. (laughs) This guy who can bench over 400 some pounds can't move a muscle. And so he's pinned back and he realizes at that moment, oh my goodness, you're real. (laughs) You're not just some guy who told 12 guys what to do and made it all up, but you're real. And then he walks out stunned. He sits in St. James Church and then he says he had he was taken up into ecstasy and he said nothing he'd ever experienced no pleasure on earth could even touch the ecstasy that he felt for a full 20 minutes in that church so once again god was saying i'm very real i'm very real and this kind of joy is what awaits you if you follow me so he comes out of the church And a woman senses that something's in him, something's glowing, there's something about him. And she comes up to him and she says, will you pray over me? And he looks at her and thinks, me? (laughs) And he goes like this. And she was immediately slain in the spirit. And he freaks out and he runs away. (laughs) And so he's confused. He comes back. Uh, but he's a different man. And the six, I don't know how much longer it was, but his mother later on says, would you like to go back? And in that time, there was no resistance. He goes back. And in at this point, he's at a church near Medjugorje called Siroki Bridge, where a very holy priest used to minister there. And He would pray over all the priests present, and they individually would pray over the people there for conversion, for healing, and and many, many beautiful things happened um, in that church. That's a place where there are many Christian priest martyrs. Um, The Franciscan priests there resisted the communists who actually burned them alive, and you can see the cave where this happened. Mm. So it's a place that has the grace of martyrs. And it's very, very powerful in terms of um, what happens on that land. And so father, I mean, not father yet, excuse me. Oh, I spilled the beans. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So Michael, being the, the size that he is, becomes a catcher because these people are resting in the spirit sometimes, especially as this little, a little friar with uh, you know tiny little guy all these healings are happen when he prays over people so 
uh, Michael realizes he better help him because <laughs> people are all getting healed and resting. And and by the way, Medjugorje isn't like that now. You don't you don't have all this charismatic stuff going on. So don't be scared. I know that there's there's fear when it comes to the Holy Spirit acting. Sometimes this was a particular period of time in a church near Medjugorje, not inside of it, where this happened. It doesn't happen in St. James Church. So Michael was there. And he thought, well, I'll, I'll help out this little priest. And he comes up, this, this capuchin friar, to a woman in a wheelchair. Now, the woman's legs were the same size as Michael's wrist. They had completely atrophied, wow. atrophied because she was in a car accident. His, um, her husband told him that severed her spine in half. And so the lower half of her body completely atrophied and was no longer able to function. There was a complete slice of the spinal cord. And so the priest started to pray, took a lot of time, went up to her and prayed over her legs and just stood there for a long time praying and praying. And so Michael thought, this is absolutely ridiculous. This woman clearly can't walk. She never will walk. And he's wasting his time. So he wanted to leave. And he was tired from all the the physical work. And so he sensed that the God, the Father, wouldn't let him. So he, he kept getting pulled back to be with this woman and the priest praying over her. And he said to God, what? You want me to stay here? What? And he was very flippant at the time. And he thought, okay, I'll stay, whatever. And then um, he, he said, well, um, okay, you want me to stay? Show us your power. Make her walk. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Michael, if I get this woman up and I make her walk, will you become a priest? <laughs> and he said, heck no. It's <laughs> <laughs> <I was> honest. <laughs> so 20 terrible minutes go by for him where he's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm just what do I do? My, I can't Lord, I can't give up my dream of being a pro football player. I'm. I'm almost going to be drafted into the pros, and now you're having me give up my dream? No. But then he thought, well, it would be kind of cool to see her walk. So he says, so he changes the deal, and he says, okay, if you get her up and you have her walk all around the, the ridge of this church inside, then I will become a priest. <laughs> so... <laughs> Immediately, she stood up, <laughs> walked around to the back of her wheelchair, and started pushing it all around the church. And he freaked out. And he's watching her walk, and he changes the deal again. And he says, what the heck are you doing? And he says, somebody stop her. Somebody tackle her. And then he says to God, okay, okay. If she does not stand on that tile in front by the tabernacle, if she does not stand on that tile, then I don't have to be a priest. <laughs> and so she put, 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 put. She goes around to the front. She stands on that very tile and sits down. <laughs> and then he said a few expletives and walked out of the yeah. church. So that is the beginning of his path and it took a lot more convincing and a lot more release of his dreams 
but now he can't imagine being anything else. He's so happy to be a priest. It fits like a glove. Yeah. And and everybody listening will have to get the book because all the stories are, are great like that. Not quite that dramatic, but they are entertaining. Uh, it's not just all this mystical stuff, yeah. but it's, I mean, I love the way that you wrote about, I'm sure you're transmitting the way he told it, but like you said, he was very flippant and he, he's talking to God like he's talking to a guy to bartender. I mean, a bartender <laughs> at the bar is like, wait a minute, I'm not going to do that. And it was just very entertaining, but also very moving. Uh, so I encourage people to read Of Men and Mary. Yeah, I think we can relate to that. I mean, I mean, maybe we're not so bold to talk to God that way, but we certainly feel like it sometimes. <laughs> and I would encourage terms. people, as I've learned, uh, I mean, my prayer before the Blessed Sacrament has been transform- transformational in my life. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm respectful, yes, but I, I, I speak to Christ because he's there and and. And I haven't heard voices. I haven't had any sort of supernatural manifestation, but he's supernaturally there. And and I have heard in my heart, I mean, people are surprised at some of the things I do as bishop now mm-hmm. because my siblings say, that's that quiet kid we grew up with, yeah. Joe. What what happened to him? And so I, I can relate to, to what you're talking about because the grace and the power that our Lord brings into our lives and that Mary prays that we will receive is is a great power. Really, Christine, before we run out of time, I know you have a new book yeah. called The Warning, Testimonies and Prophecies of the Illumination of Conscience. I'd like to hear, I mean, it, I've got a big stack of books that I, I want to read, but I, I know I want to read this one. I'd like to hear, because I'm always intrigued, uh, I know in my experience Everything seems kind of connected. I mean, it can be a very different topic, but one thing leads to another. I'd like to hear how of Men and Mary and this book, The Warning, where's the journey there? How is there a connection for your own faith journey for yourself? Well, I think it's the journey of conversion. I prayed once and I said, Lord, what what is my mission? The the core of my mission. And it was really interesting. I was driving along the road with my husband and we got the word in our hearts at the very same time. And it was conversion. Hmm. And so anything I do, anything I write, it's all with the goal that someone convert, Hmm. especially to the Catholic faith or that someone convert more deeply. And so in this book, not only are there prophecies by I mean, of this event where everyone will see their souls as God sees it at the same time in light of their sin. But there are also stories of those who have already experienced it in the span of five, ten minutes, even those who didn't know there was a God. So these prophecies are from incredibly reputable people, St. Edmund Campion, Blessed Anna Maria Taiji, Blessed Pope Pius IX, St. Faustina Kowalska, who actually experienced an illumination of her own conscience. So did... Um, the mystic Elizabeth Kindleman of the Flame of Love movement, which is approved by bishops in the church. Uh, we have Saint, we have Father Stefano Gobi of the Mirror Movement Priests. We have mystic and stigmatist Janie Garza, servant of God Maria Esperanza of the church-approved apparitions of Vitania Venezuela. 
on and on and on. They all spoke of the same event. So I told the Lord, I will write this book. First of all, I need to know it's real. Second of all, I need to meet people who have already experienced such a thing because this is pretty fantastic. You know, who's who's going to believe this? I barely do. So I kid you not, within the span of eight weeks, I met wow. five, five people who had already experienced an illumination of their conscience and they their stories were incredible. And they said, yes, I'll share with you. And I was introduced to five, a few others and they all ended up in the book. And the one that's my favorite that... E- you want to save it for last is a mystic named Marino Restrepo. And I kid you not, he is a St. Paul for our century. He is a Colombian. He lived in Hollywood as a hotshot music producer, steeped in terrible sin, was abducted by Colombian terrorists in the Amazon jungle dragged out there where he lived for six months and and after 15 days of being thrown in a old rundown shack with bat excrement and blindfolded he had an illumination of his conscience overnight and was taken to the judgment seat of god where he his sentence was hell he didn't die but he he relates and he experiences what it is like to be face to face with God when that's your judgment and sinking down and what Mary does and what Jesus does to try to get the person to choose mercy. Mm. And so it was very hard for him to choose to accept that hand of mercy that was being extended to him, but he did. And he was given a unique gift that I think only one other person on earth, a, a private woman in Belgium has been given, which was a which was a transmission of divine knowledge. He'd never read a theology book. He never watched anything on TV. He wasn't steeped in the faith. He was pure new age. Mm-hmm. And he was persecuting Catholics and, and his family. He didn't care. But he received this download. He, he writes books and he speaks eloquently and he never prepares. He just reads a passage from scripture now and he's been sent around the world to transmit what he's received. Mm-hmm. And I have a new book coming up. It's called winning the battle for your soul and Jesus's messages to Marino Restrepo. So that'll come out. And I should say, if, if anyone's interested in any of these books, um, the warning, um, there's a second edition that looks a bit different, but basically the same. It's um, the warning mm-hmm. testimonies yep. and prophecies of the illumination of conscience. And this, if you sign up for the queen of peace media newsletter, so it's, www.queenofpeacemedia.com queenofpeacemedia.com you sign up for the newsletter um, then all of this is on Amazon but you can see all my books The Marian Consecration and I will be sending out information about that book and others that are to come and the whole intention as I mentioned is conversion Marino Restrepo is yet another man he was into sexual pleasure to the extreme. He was into the new age movement to the extreme. He said, I was an idiot when it came to the new age movement. I'd been around the world. So he said, I picked up every superstition that there was in every country. So not only would a black cat cross his path, but the evil eye would be staring at him. (laughs) And he he just said every, you know, the feng shui might not be quite right in terms of where his bed was facing the door. And so he put himself in this, sorry to use this word on the air, but he calls it a stupid trap. You know, he said, I was an idiot. 
And so to have this man be so humble, so loving, so wise, so transformed in one night, Mm -hmm. that's what this illumination of conscience did for these people who experienced it. And honestly, I can't wait. Don't we need it all? I mean, it's it's what happens at death anyway. We're going to see ourselves as God sees us. So whether something like this happens collectively or whether we die before it does, all of us to live as though we could face Jesus Christ at any moment, face to face, eye to eye, is how we should live. And, you know, the way that these saints have spoken about it is is just incredible. You know, I think Elizabeth Kindleman, not just St. Faustina, but as I mentioned, Elizabeth Kindleman had this experience, and here's what she says of it. She's from the Church-Approved um, Flame of Love movement of the Immaculate Mary. She's the mystic whose locutions and book, The Spiritual Diary, began the whole thing. you got to get that book, by the way. <laughs> it's called The Flame of Love of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. It's awesome. It has prayers in it that blind Satan for our times. You have to get this Flame of Love book. Okay. By Elizabeth Kindleman. So <laughs> here's you. what Elizabeth Kindleman said of her experience of an illumination of her conscience. I saw the Lord's penetrating glance. My bodily eyes cannot stand that glance. I shut my eyes tightly. His glance is like a flash of lightning which lights up everything. I saw all my sins. I cried for hours with greater sorrow than ever before. Jesus said, let our glances meld together so they form one glance. My sinful eyes will be one with his divine eyes. He wants this for everyone. He said, whoever walks with me will be joined with me in one glance. Mm, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We're going to have to wrap things up. But um, it, it was lovely to talk to you, Christine, and, to, and thank you for telling us that story. Um, and I, could you, again, give us your website so people can find out more? Queen of Peace Media? Queenofpeacemedia.com, and you can search through that. There's many resources, mm-hmm. spiritual resources. There's a newsletter and uh, many different books. And you can even book speakers when speakers start to travel around again, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah, if you can call me for a Zoom. <laughs> Zoom. Yep. Everybody's Zooming. We're all Zooming. We're Zooming Zoom you Zoom. in. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we um, encourage everyone to check out queenofpeacemedia.com and also check out the St. Philip Institute website at stphilipinstitute.org and look at all of our teaching materials as you're getting ready to begin CCD and RCIA classes this year. Bishop, could you please close us out with an apostolic blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your with spirit. your spirit. Almighty God, we thank you for the beautiful work of Christine for conversion. You sent your son for the conversion of the world, and that conversion continues. We give thanks for the Immaculate Virgin Mary, our mother that you have given us, you have given to the church and to the world to constantly intercede for us. We ask your blessing for Christine's work and her family, for the work of her institute and St. Philip Institute, and for all the good work bringing souls to conversion, to know the wonder of your truth. We ask your blessing for our efforts 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you.